Welcome to Toast in the Morning. It is now time to put on your big boy pants. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, with our live studio audience, kid. Yes, like, how does it restart the recording? What are you we're not talking doing this about? No, we're leaving it in again. Okay, I guess it's our thing. Yes, now. it is our thing. It's screwing up the damn intro. Okay, welcome to episode two. We have toast in the morning. Another wonderful episode. Uh, thank you for everyone who tuned in to episode one. And uh, toast, take it away. What do you got? Take it away. I, I thought I thought you had the thing. Okay, so let's see. We're going <laughs> to open right, up baby, on a right. little bit. I'm the host. I'm the host. <laughs> I'm the producer. I'm, I'm the, the talk piece. I got you. I got you. So we're going to open up on a little bit of NFL talk, a little recap. As a big Giants fan, thrilled on a huge win. Yeah. Maybe three and seven. Start off atrociously to the year. But you know what? God's on our side. We're playing in a, a terrible NFC East. So we have yeah. a shot at making the playoffs. I mean, who's our real competition? The football team and the birds? So I think yeah. we'll be doing just fine. Uh, thrilled with a great win. I saw Daniel Jones running like a gazelle for that touchdown. He was man. flying. He it, was it's flying. beautiful to see. Like he's got the most yards. Uh, which one? He averages most yards per carry in the NFL. Running phenomenal. Top speed. I think he hit the highest speed as a quarterback for the year, even faster than Lamar's top speed for the no, season. He was, he was booking on that that uh, that touchdown, and he run. did not fall. Somehow. He stayed on his two feet. And he did not give up the ball. Did he give up the ball? He gave zero turnovers for Daniel Bravo. Jones. Bravo, boys. Bravo. That's the key. Eli said it. All you got to do is, especially against these teams that are terrible, don't turn over the ball, don't give it away, in nice long possessions. The Giants led the, the whole game in possessions, didn't turn over the ball, and it pays off in the end. 27 points. Uh, phenomenal performance on the ground by Daniel Jones and Wayne Gallman. And a great win for the New York Giants, man. And I love to see that defense perform. Yeah, Blake Martinez has been an absolute leader for this team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Credit to uh, Patrick Graham, former Dolphins uh, defensive coordinator who left. Thank you for him. Good. I don't care if our defensive coordinator is just as good, if not better, honestly. So good, good for him. And he got defensive minded Brian Flores, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to Brian Flores in a bit, but credit to uh, the Giants. Um, I know their wins have been against like the best teams, but they show a lot of fight. The Tampa Bay game, you know, the pass interference call, whatever you want to make of it, they were close as well. You know, they show a lot of fight, and I'm really excited to see where they go. I think a good team in New York means good stuff, and I think just sports in general. Yeah, that's fine. And they're in a better situation with the coaching staff. I think they have some decent pieces, like you said, Blake Martinez and Daniel Jones, you know, once again, he shows those flashes that he and can be a guy. I also like Wayne Gallman. I, I really like how he runs, too, mm-hmm. when I saw it. Just runs with some authority. And also, I mean, James Bradbury, Bradbury's oh, yeah. been one of the best quarterback oh, yeah. cornerbacks in the league. He's he got three interceptions out. on the year. And honestly, he, it looks like Carson Wentz was afraid to throw his way most of the game. Yeah, and uh, it, we could quickly talk about the, the Eagles and, like, Carson Wentz. Like, he's, like burnt toast out there he looks no pun intended terrible man he had a 37.7 qbr 200 passing yards, 21 on 37 passes 5.6 average yards per pass that was bad the only bright spot in their offense seemed to be miles sanders yeah yeah it's just it's not working out for him and also uh fulgham is a 
pretty solid player for them. Nice find. But that O-line is trash. And there's a clear confident, lack of confidence for Carson Wentz there. And they got to turn it around real quick. I don't know what – also, I don't know what Doug Peterson's doing and Howie Rosen, the GM's doing. Mm-hmm. They've constructed a terrible – not a terrible roster, but just a not good game planning by Peterson and the, and the coaching staff. The roster management hasn't been the greatest as well. They need a lot of work, and it feels like they've kind of just – they got the Super Bowl in, and they've kind of just coasted off of that. And it's, and it's kind of like – Sort of not. I'm not saying they're being ignorant, but it seems so like they're what ignorant. Now? It's like, no. It's it, I see when it comes to Doug Pearson, his play calling is like, what do you mean? I made the Philly special. I'm I'm a genius. You know, I can do whatever I want. And that's and, about it. Yeah, it's just the, the Eagles are, and, and I feel bad for Carson Wentz because I do like Carson Wentz. I think he's a very talented quarterback, but I mean, you, you're you're with. You're playing in Philly, and you know Philly has no time for for losers, and it doesn't matter. And of very course, toxic fan base, exactly. And I don't think Nick Foles would have done a better job. He absolutely would have been just as bad, and not even worse, than Carson Wentz. So these Carson Wentz can move around the pocket and make mm-hmm. some better throws. Although he Carson Wentz does make some pretty poor pretty poor decisions, and takes does take a lot of sacks. Probably could do a better job with that, but he just has no time in the pocket and. I agree with that completely. It's a problem I know all too well as a Giants fan. Like, I understand you got a good quarterback back there, but when you have no time in the pocket and he has to constantly be on the move, it, it really struggle. You really struggle. No one can really do it that well. Yeah, like the only I, I'm going to bring this back to the Dolphins as you do because I love bringing back to the Dolphins. But last year, when that O line was horrible, they had the perfect quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick that can he knows what he's getting into. So he, he, take he so hits. either a makes quick passes which i would say that's a, that's a fair credit to former offensive coordinator Chad O'Shea incorporating a lot of slant uh, slant patterns to you know quick release by get the Devontae Parker and a quick ball to get out of the pocket and Fitzpatrick has the mobility to move around and make something happen and could, you know he takes a lot of sacks too and makes some bad decisions but he can try to extend the play and also, it's fun watching. That's very true. You got to love the beard. Gotta he, love it. He's electric to watch. I want to see what happens to him next year. Dolphins hold on to him. Meet yeah. him as a backup or possibly uh-huh. see him be play that same role for another team like he did with Tua. Yeah, I, I would love for him to come back, but I'm, I'm not sure uh, if he's going to come back because he might want to be a starter again in the league. Uh, I heard that he wants to try to be the guy against somewhere else. Uh, I, I would love him to be back. That that would be the dream, you know. Who knows? Maybe he comes back as like a quarterbacks coach or something for Tua. That would be great. Honestly, well. I could see him with a future in sports broadcasting. I love seeing him talk. Very intelligent guy when he talks about the game. I guess, I, I, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, he obviously has a like huge family of like how many kids he has, like twenty kids or something. <laughs> and, and that's saying something because Philip Rivers has like a hundred of them. Philip Rivers doesn't let us stop. Honestly, like all the power to you, man. Like keep getting that bread. Am I right? So. Yeah, uh, Fitzpatrick got in. But as a nice segue into your Dolphins, what did you think about that win over the L.A. Chargers and your fellow rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert? Yeah, my fellow quarterback, Justin Herbert. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thanks. No, great performance, really happy. You know, something about the Dolphins, you know, it's not the prettiest win sometimes, but I think that's their game plan. 
is that they have such a young roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where, okay, you know, they have a lead, they got the lead, and second half rolls on, and it's not about, could they easily blow the Chargers out of the water and make the the gap in points even larger? Absolutely. Because Chargers had not, they, they couldn't, they couldn't have stopped them because one of their points was on a terrible snap by Ted Karras that bounced around and Nick Vigil just runs it all the way to like the 30-yard line. And so they're in perfect field, perfect range to score. Mm-hmm. And they kicked another, I think they kicked a field goal. No, uh, no, wait, yes, I forget, whatever. And one of the other points was in so-called garbage time where they just had to, where Herbert was throwing the ball where the game was practically over. So... And so, yeah, that's their Dolphins game plan is just to waste as much clock as possible and not putting all the pressure in the world to that that uh, that young, inexperienced offensive line. So, Brown Flores has a plan. The coaching staff has a plan. And the players are buying into that plan. And I'm really excited to see where the Dolphins go from here. I'm, I'm loving Brian Flores. He's the best coach that we have since Shula, no doubt, as of right yeah. now. I, Jimmy, better than Jimmy Johnson, Dave Wan said, all those guys. And I'm really excited, and I'm happy that they're going to prove all these doubters wrong, the media, all, all that jazz. I can go on and on about how terrible this meet the media is and all the crap that they get, but I feel yeah. like these people are these people are slowly coming around. I see the Dolphins almost in a similar position as the Giants in terms of the coaching staff, where the roster may not be the most talented, especially last year. Now that they got Tua, it's a different story. Yeah. But you see players that want to play for Joe Judge, players that want to play for Brian Flores, yeah. and almost more of a camaraderie than we've seen in past years. Absolutely. I, I just think now we're going to see a shift in coaching that you don't need the offensive guru as your head coach. I think the, the only, really the only outlier, does, does, I forget if Andy Reid calls the plays. Uh, I don't. Th- I'm not sure. It feels like it flip-flops between him and Biennemi, but I know yeah. like Sean McVay, like that's an outlier because he's a, extremely smart coach and he knows what he's doing but besides that like i think that shift that that, yeah. that fad of like the kingsbury's the zach tales of the world i think those are quickly going to die out and get more of ceos guys that build culture build locker rooms and I, that's why i've always thought about head coaches that they that they look over everything they're like the ceo they look at the offense look at the defense you gotta be more of a personality more of a leader more than anything yeah just like bringing it back to joe judge in new york they leave the play calls up to your coordinators, and you lead the team and set a standard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's what Brian Flores is doing, and I give him a I give Brian Flores so much credit because he had the worst roster ever constructed last ever. year. Terrible, terrible. And after the first week, there were these reports that say that a bunch of these players got in contact with their agents and they wanted out. They went out of Miami, and yes, they traded Minka Fitzpatrick and good riddance. Honestly, good riddance, uh, and I'm happy that he's gone. You know, and they've he let guys shine like Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe, who are on who Minka Fitzpatrick's gonna make a lot of money because name recognition and don't get him wrong, he's a phenomenal player. He's a good player. Okay, he's a good fair. player. That's he's fair. a good player. Minka, Fitzpa- Minka Fitzpatrick. Has I have not seen any sort of progression, and before we go back to Miami, the, the game, but I've never, I have not seen any progression in Minka Fitzpatrick's game at all. He's still a piss poor tackler, 
And even then, he's sometimes slow to react, and people, of course, are just gonna, yeah. you know, stroke him because of the interceptions and and the force and the force. No, not even, they don't, he doesn't even force fumbles; he just recovers them. It just seems like he knows that he's a phenomenal athlete and doesn't care to improve on which the is, facts. Which on... is why he wanted out. Which is why he didn't want to change because he's like, oh, I'm a. I went to Alabama. Oh, I went to this prestige. I forgot where he went to high school in New Jersey. He went to a really, really top high school program. So he's pretty much been spoiled his entire life playing with Nick Saban. Nick Saban praised him. He's like Nick Saban came out. He said like he was like one of the best players he's ever coached. Yeah. So he has all this praise and just a little bit of adversity. He has to jump ship because oh no, losing. Wah, wah, yeah. wah. Fine, go make money and cash wrap the Steelers even more. I don't care. Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe, go ball out. Those guys are amazing and they're on cheaper deals. They're That's- making just as much. And not less That's combined. Right. But watching this uh, this Dolphins game, who do you think? I know you're a little biased, but who's looking like the better rookie quarterback this year? Because I'm a big Herbert believer. Okay, I so, think Herbert's yeah. the best guy at this class. But uh, Tua has been electric in the few games he's played. Okay, so here's the thing. Right off the bat, the Dolphins got to Herbert. so Because Herbert and the Chargers are vertical-style offense, get the ball down the field, yada, 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 and then... They stopped them very quick. They had the, the block pump by Van Ginkle. And after that, they're they're down. They also intercepted they, them once. Yes, that was at the end of the game. Xavier Howard absolutely balling out the cornerbacks. And we'll I'll get to that quickly. They after that, the the Chargers ripped up that 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 game plan and they're like, okay, we're running the ball to Kalen Balaj. We're we're doing the halfback screens. We're we're just you know, there was no deep balls. Like, the only deep ball that I saw was pretty much with, like, three minutes left, and he threw the Mike Williams in garbage-esque time. So, I give a lot of credit to the Dolphins, and there's a lot of times that Herbert was very, very uncomfortable in the pocket where guys like Emmanuel Agba, who is an absolute beast, mm-hmm. and the, the guys were and, – and credit to Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and – Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain because those guys were locking down yeah, Mike I Williams agree. and Keenan Allen. So he, so Herbert, didn't have as much time as the much time in the pocket and also had to rely on dink and dump passes. I believe I, I remember the stat. I, I, it was like Herbert threw the ball downfield like an average like two point five yards. Like yeah, his average path length was five point eight yards. So that speaks. Okay, there you go. There you go. And like two was who had the lead threw the ball more down the field and they were winning that's fair i mean as good as Tua has been i think the brightest spot on this team is that defense i really like the oh, those great. guys you you don't really have one standout phenomenal defensive player but a bunch of consistent guys who are just dogs who are playing good football yes i give a lot of credit to the new defensive coordinator josh boyer who by the way this is the second time i've seen this the so Fox did this last time against the Rams, and they did it again with this time CBS that they showed the wrong coach. <laughs> they showed uh, Anthony Campanelli, the linebackers coach. This is the second time they don't know where Josh Boyer is. You absolute clowns! Give them, give the man some respect. <laughs> like, how do you not know what he looks like? Like, you had all this time to prep, and you don't know where he the is. The camera guy just put on some random guy on the sidelines. Like, you yeah, that's clown. him. Uh, but that's a credit. To the to the defense to that they're buying in once again, Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are balling out. Kyle Van Noy, I'm liking a lot. Emmanuel Agba is 
he reminds you a lot of like Jason Taylor. Just long and athletic, long arms, just disrupting the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I missed I missed like a guy like Cam Wake. I love Cam Wake, and you know, last year was tough to see a terrible defensive line. Like ugh, we need that edge ed rusher, and here's Emmanuel Ogba just balling yeah. out. Christian Wilkins, first round pick last year, absolute beast. He unfortunately missed the game this uh, this last week due to the COVID uh, list. I'm just really, I just really love this defense, and also I think the Dolphins are still going to assess this D, this D line, the the entire defense because it could get better, and and it will get better. Some mm-hmm. guys, some of those guys in the defensive line are young, and and also this the this defense is built on cornerbacks, and that's what the that's what the Patriots did all all this time. It's a cornerstone and, for a good defense, some phenomenal cornerbacks. Exactly, and that's what that's why the Dolphins. Spent some money to re-sign Xavier Howard, and they signed a bunch of money to to, re, to uh, not re-sign, sign Byron Jones, and that's why they extended McCain and Eric Rowe. So yeah, and even guys like Nick Needham, who it's a lot of budget players. Exactly, Nick Needham was an undrafted undrafted player last year. I remember he had a terrible preseason, terrible last year, and then he comes back in with when Howard got injured, and he. He was their number one cornerback, and he played pretty well. He had a slow start this year, but he's playing well as this uh, nickel cornerback and is holding off Noah Igbenogany, the first-rounder. Yeah. So I give a lot of credit to the Dolphins players buying in. I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. They've done an amazing amazing job hiring teachers, not just smart people, because you can find smart people wherever. That's you guys that true. can relate to the players to buy in. Adam Gase? Buy into the system. Yeah, Adam Gase, look. You can talk about how terrible he is, but he's a smart man. He understands re- the game of there's football. There's a reason but... why he's somehow still has a job. There's a reason why he's been hired in the past, because he's a smart man. But he's a terrible like, coach, terrible ter- leader. Terrible leader, terrible motivator. Just it, just terrible. Just why? Yeah, exactly. So you can just get someone maybe not as quote-unquote smart, but get someone that relates to these players. Yeah, and I think that was a great move. I think we dive into these uh, other NFL games later this week. We'll talk yeah. about that future on by. So we move on a little bit to the NBA because, damn, there was a lot that happened in the past couple of days. That did. The yeah. Bucks were out there making moves in the last two days. So we got the first deal they get. This was, what, later last night. Was yeah. They got Bogdanovich in a sign-and-trade. They got the Milwaukee Bucks got Bogdanovich and Justin James and gave up Dante DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. I think that's a win for the Bucks. I like Bogdan yeah. Bogdanovich in their starting him. lineup. I mean, you don't really know what you have in Dante DiVincenzo guys still developing. That could be something for Sacramento, but Bucks are in win-now mode. You know what you have in Bogdan, and I think that's a great move for them. Yeah, I think I like that move for uh, for Milwaukee. Sacramento, I, I guess like Bogdanovich has some value, and I get that because the Kings do does need a lot of work. That team is Bad, just not even on on the court, but just throughout the organization, just poor ownership and management. But and I guess I don't mind trading Bogdanovich because you can get some value for him, and he's 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 those guys that is not there for like the long haul. You know, he's been a guy that's been dealt a lot in the in the past. So, but yeah, I like the deal for the Bucks, and who knows, Defensenzo could be a decent player for them. I the second deal is something a little different. So we got Drew Holiday and a second round pick for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first round picks and two pick swaps. 
I love Drew Holiday. I think it'd be great for the Bucks, but damn, they gave up a lot of picks. If they don't win now, they're in win now mode. And this deal might be one of the most crippling things to them in the future. Yeah, like you could say that Drew Holiday is a better player than Eric he's Bledsoe. he's like an Eric Bledsoe two point Yeah, but like yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, how much better is he than uh, Eric Bledsoe? Like, how much is he better? Yeah, sure, he gets it slightly better, but you're giving up. And obviously, the expectation is those picks are going to be nothing because you'll be winning NBA Finals where they'll be in the low teens, not in the low teens, like low in the twenties. So I think that's their thought process. But it's like they're early second round picks more than yeah, anything. Yeah, but I, I'm a little biased because I do love me some hoarding draft picks. And I, but obviously the most important thing is to win draft, not even win, just also with those picks draft well. You know, so I'm just, but yeah, I'm just not sure about Milwaukee. Yeah, sure they get better on paper, but I'm not sure trading all those players for Drew Holiday is. Really, worth and don't forget it. about that. Forget about that second round pick, sixtieth overall. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank God, thank God. They'll probably sign yeah, some like that'd be a great some, uh, G League player. Oh yeah, some guy who plays in like Israel or something. Yeah, will never come up. Will never come overseas. Then we got another deal with the Rockets, who we'll get some more about them in a little bit with oh, uh, Mr. James God. Harden. But this is them getting Robert Covington, and then ship. Uh, not sorry, they shipped off Robert Covington and got. Trevor Reza, first-round pick, and a protected first-round pick in 2021. No, I like the deal for, for Houston. Hey, I like, you, I like you, you, I like that for Houston. I think it really looks like they're trying to reassemble their team for the future years. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm a little biased for Trevor Reza because he played in, in Washington for a little bit. He was pretty decent, but I remember He's good. They, That's for about some it. reason they traded Kelly Oubre for him, and that was, that, that was like the final nail in the coffin for Ernie Grunfield's time in in Washington after his terrible tenure there. But, no, it's a pretty decent deal. You know, they're retooling. But you need some veteran players. And Tre- Trevor Reza has been around the block, and he's been on the Rockets in the past. And you, you pick up a decent number 16 pick. Like, it's not terrible. You can find something, I guess, although it's not really the greatest draft class. But you can find something. And who knows, that first-round pick is whether I, I don't know what the, you know, what how, how much protect is that. Is that why protected or whatnot? But. I don't know. It's uh, it's not a terrible deal for the pretty decent deal for the Rockets. Robert Covington's a decent player, you know, but uh, I don't know about that. This is the trade I'm excited for, though. This was the blockbuster trade everyone's been talking about. Suns getting C- uh, CP3 from OKC. I think this was beautiful both ways. Phoenix getting Chris Paul and who cares about Deere. They give up Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, and Jalen LeCue and a first round pick. So initially, I didn't think this was a, a great deal when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. But I only saw, okay, Ubre, I like Ubre a lot. I just said that. Good player. But besides that, Ricky Rubio, okay. But like, whatever. You're practically swapping point guards there. OKC and- has been killing it. Yeah. I think a lot of this, too, the Chris Paul kind of uh, keeps. Devin Booker a little bit quiet. He's been complaining. He needs another star like that in CP3 to be around him. Someone yeah. to distribute the ball to him and Aiton. I could see them possibly getting onto an eight seed. The way Devin Booker has been playing, the way you saw him play in the bubble. Yeah, and also Monty Williams has done a really good job turning that team around. 
really do, doing a really good job as the uh, the coach. You know, the Suns have been a terrible organization and with poor ownership. And who knows? It's going to be the turnaround. I'm really excited to see what happens to OKC in the next t- decade, yeah. really. Apparently, they have what was like 17 first-round picks It was 16, but then they just got another pick last night and another trade. So 17 <laughs> first-round picks. They got, they're drafting kids that are learning how to write their name right now. Obviously, the most important thing, they got to draft well. That's the most important thing. They That's got very true. To draft. But OKC also, has historically and, drafted yeah, extremely yes. well. And also, I'm not. I don't think they're going to draft 17 players. They'll probably trade some players and package yeah. them to get better. Because yeah, it's great. You know, it's good to get a lot of draft capital, but you don't hoard them so much where they become not valuable and just have all this blah, all this depth for some reason. But I like what the Thunder are, are doing. You know, they're although although I don't know. Not the most beloved team to do what they did with Seattle, but you know it's really they're just they're a very intriguing team to see what they're doing. And I honestly didn't mind. I wouldn't have been as pissed off if they would have just kept Chris Paul just to have as a as a veteran piece. Yeah, I get that, but the problem is for what you're paying for Chris Paul, and as well as where you see the franchise going. There's no future, really, Chris Paul. You're not winning an NBA championship right now. You're not built to win. You're paying him money. To be mediocre and get lower picks well, at this point, unless Paul wanted out and he's like, "Okay, I've done my one season here, whatever, I'm done." And also, they if they really just really, really, really like this deal, but besides that, I I, I wouldn't have mind Chris Paul staying and develop, developing some of these guys. But it's a pretty decent return for OKC. Pretty decent. I like like I said, I like Ubre a lot. So like what I was saying with the other pick though, they trade. Uh, OKC with LA trades for Dennis Schroeder gets Danny Green and another first round pick yeah they're just abandoning ship with those guys they don't see winning a championship with them and eventually leaving like screw it at this point we're going to get picks and we're going to build a young core of phenomenal players and I really like what they're doing yeah led GM is back at it you know getting some of his guys uh, so, you know yeah, because Rob Polinko had his fingers all over this deal, that's for sure. Um, and it's great for LA. Dennis Schroeder is a lot better than a aging and just no, honestly, Danny no, Green played yeah, like this is a fine, this is a fine deal for the Lakers because that that draft pick would be what if they had held on to that pick, he probably would just sound the bench yeah. done done nothing. You need another all day. You need another guard too. You're losing Rondo most likely. Yeah. And, and Danny Green was the most beloved player. All the memes that were made during yeah, he, the final. He had a like, decent regular season, but his postseason into finals was just absolutely deplorable. Yeah, yeah. Then we got my Nets and trading uh, uh, Musa and a second round pick for yo, Bruce Brown. I'm really uh, indifferent no, about not this. Musa. Not uh, Musa. Musa really was in between the G League and riding the bench. Bruce Brown's okay. It's really like an indifferent trade to me. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. He's okay. I've I've no say. I I I've never heard those guys in my life. Yeah, it's so. just like cool. Exactly. So, all the power to you, Zan Zan and Musa. Yeah. Whoever you are, have fun in Serbia. But now talking about speculation. Oh, James yes. Harden oh, in Brooklyn. Yes. What's going on? Yeah, that trade looks like it could potentially happen. And then to it's see a new super team. Word is, especially to uh, Woj, that it's getting done. I think yeah. that we'll see James Harden the next couple days in Brooklyn. I Yeah, I think we're going to see this as well. I'm just curious to see what they're going to give up. As a, as the Net fan, I'm just curious what you think they're going to give up in the package. That's what concerns me. So... If we are going to trade for James Harden, you're going to have to give up minimum 
Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. Those base three. And probably draft picks. Oh, draft picks for sure. But I'm saying those three players are what got the nest to those at this point. Yeah. So guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and then drafting Jared Allen are what helped us through that rebuild era after that atrocious atrocious trade we had with uh, the Celtics. Still okay. Yep. And then so, and then just moving through it with the um, D'Lo era, yeah. And now getting signing KD and Kyrie. That's why they came inside in Brooklyn. They saw promise in those guys and those players that fought and played and won, even though they had no star power. That's what they saw in Brooklyn. Yeah. And then they kind of see it trade away and get rid of that depth. It's kind of it's it's kind of nerve wracking because as phenomenal of a player as James Harden is, you don't you kind of want to have that depth. You saw like the Lakers. The Lakers had that, even though they had obviously Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they had guys coming off the bench getting it done like an Alex Caruso. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Yeah, so I like to bust your balls when it comes to all your sports scenes because that's what I do. And that's then, fair. And, that's and, fair. And you did that to me as well. So it's a even, even split. But I have to give so much credit where credit is due to the Nets because they made this terrible trade half a decade ago. Yeah, maybe even more. I'm not sure. Was it like 2013 ish? Just 2015, 16, right around. I think 2014, 2015. I think it was 2014. So they made this. They made a terrible deal, and what they could have done is panicked and like, okay, we, we got to salvage something. We got to trade more and trade more and yeah. got to make it well. What they did it was like, okay, we lost. Let's just bring in all of our smart people, all of our scouts, and let's develop. Let's not panic. We lost those deals. Let's regroup and build a new sort of era with new ownership, new management, all that. They they, they just rebuilt through the draft, which, is a lot, which is what a lot of teams don't do anymore in this current style of the NBA. So I got to give a lot of credit to Brooklyn. And they did a phenomenal job of rebranding the team to the city of Brooklyn. It's just the, the just the culture around the franchise, especially the fact that that team wasn't there. We were in New Jersey, well, yeah, right? Yeah. So bringing them into Brooklyn and making them part of the culture in Brooklyn and make making them that big, and especially at Jay Z representing Brooklyn, a big Brooklyn yeah. native, it really brought that culture around. And then now to see superstars wanting to come play there is really good for the franchise. Like I said with James Harden, it'll be very exciting to see two of the best scorers that ever played the game of basketball on the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, yeah. You I, put me back a decade ago, I was scared to see us win 20 games. Oh, yeah. Those were some horrible teams back in the day. The, the, the thing I want to talk about is that, okay, so you talked about when you were trading depth and like trading guys like Levert and Dinwiddie. That was yeah. nice right there. Drop the uh, pen. Yeah, yeah good. good stuff right there. Good audio. So, and I agree. I think depth is very important in in sports. But the thing is, now with the NBA, you can find just decent depth for one, two million bucks. You can, if Danny Green hit the open market, you'd probably pay, I don't know. He's already won his, his championship. He might just ask for like three, four million bucks for like a year. Veterans minimum. Yeah, like you can find decent veteran depth for not a whole lot. So, and especially at a position where Dinwiddie and Lavert play, where they play at, Lavert can play some shooting guard, right? I would assume. Yep. Dinwiddie plays the point slash. He played maybe a little bit of shooting guard yep. as well. So, I I a notion that you try to keep on to someone like a Jared Allen. Yeah. Because. Jared, a phenomenal the, ring protector yeah, too. And also does. 
James Harden play center too. <laughs> like, you should keep Jared Allen. And also just keep a guy who's been here all through and through and throughout through this new management and it's been through, you know, these new players coming in. I think you need to keep a player like a Jared Allen who's also pretty solid. I don't mind tra- training guys like Dimwitty and guys like Levert because those guys are have some value and why would they just sit sit behind those guys and watch their value diminish where you can get someone like a James Harden That's and fair. their values are pretty decent and to trade to a, a team where they can be used. Yep, especially the thing with Dinwiddie though, I just it's one of those things where it's like you uh it's watching your child get shipped off, you know. Dinwiddie and Lever have yeah. just been there for a while, so it's I hard know, to see someone. them. Yeah, I know, it's just hard yeah. to see them go. Father. But then at the same time too is Kyrie very injury prone. Uh and also Ego known to be prone. a bit of a diva. Yeah. So Dinwiddie is a good guy to have him in check. If he starts acting out, out and also thank God the guy who believes in what the Earth is flat. What didn't, didn't, didn't I thought actually no, he moved on from that. He said oh, he, he moved on for that. Sorry, he uh, about he about learned that. his lesson, but don't get him started <laughs> about the he uh, don't get him started about the Illuminati though. But that's besides that, the point. I think that's what I was talking about. They, he's a, he's a big uh, third a third eye open guy. But that's what I was talking. That's what I was thinking of. That that was the claim. That was the ri- the ridiculous claim or whatever. Or is it real? Yeah, but. Uh, I think he'll be fine this season. I think KD and Kyrie are going to play well together. They seem to have a phenomenal chemistry on and off the court. And James Harden's played with KD before, so I get he wasn't the same player he was then, but maybe he knows what he's getting into. And I, the only problem I see with those three beating together is not necessarily an ego issue. I just don't know really where the shots will be distributed. I don't see... Like, KD's never been a guy to want to get 30-plus shots in a game. He's always been a lower-volume shooter, just been very heavily accurate. Shoot gets about 20 shots up a game. And I, I just want to see how it, you know, kind of pans out, who's getting what shots, who's taking big-time shots, and things like that. But I think their ego should check out. I would think the egos of Harden and Durant would... I think they will be fine. The only one, the only ego I have a concern with is Kyrie. That's, that's true. That's really the only thing. I mean, he to be fair, he did leave Cleveland to want to be that guy. So you're leaving LeBron James, right? Yeah. To go play now with Kyrie, not Kyrie, with KD and James Harden. So now you have two superstars that you have to play with. I would assume. I would assume his his sort of ideas ideals have changed in a sense because. If you think you're the guy with KD and now we have James Harden, it's like you're all you guys are the guy. Just I, just split up between you guys. I guess he's seeing more of a three musketeer situation, whereas with LeBron he felt like the little brother. Well, you were like he was like twenty five. Of course you were the little brother. Yeah. Like like use your use your brain. Oh well he's a flat earther, so I'm sorry. So he clearly doesn't use his brain. That's facts. So yeah, like all the power to him and yeah, like I'm just curious to see how this pans out and how Steve what Steve Nash can do. Okay. I think that uh touches up a little bit on the NBA. Yeah. We'll go into a little bit more of a lighter subject and talk about a little music. Oh, so we got, thank some, God. We got some, some something that we are definitely have never had arguments in our life whatsoever. Yeah, two different styles of views. I mean, we, we I could definitely say we're both big music heads, just a little yeah. bit two different sides of the spectrum. Yes. Where it's not the most it's not the nicest conversations that we've ever had in our lives, you know? but definitely the the most heated. Absolutely, even more than sports. We're just saying something because we're something. 
we sometimes have our moments with, with sports. We always find a common ground, though. Yeah. Whereas this, we just go at our, each other's necks. And it's actually pretty fun. But I want to hear your opinion. So we had last Friday, we had Lil Uzi Vert drop his EP collab tape with Future. And then today, dropped the deluxe edition to that album already. I think you've seen the and, man. And He's, well, well, also, don't forget about Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly put a nice album. I really want to go in on Uzi because oh, he's a... As much as he's exciting when it comes to music, he's very exciting outside of his music. He's an interesting character. You- so, clear, if you clearly haven't noticed, I'm the one who's not the biggest rap fan. Because my other my co-host clearly knows the whole lore about Mr. Vert. So, I don't That's know. That's very true. So, like, literally, like, right before we started recording this podcast, Peter just talked about this, like, Uzi has like four different personalities. Like he's it's three James personalities. James- <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I, 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 I thought one too many. I'm so sorry. But he's like James McAvoy from Split. He has all these different personalities. God, oh, but that's no. the genius behind it because oh. it brings that attention to his music and almost gives it. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but he, so you have his regular Uzi, right? And that's like your 2016 sound. But then you move into what we saw in this album, who is Baby Pluto, right? That's your trap Uzi. I have that, no clue. I, I didn't know there was a difference. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I, did, I didn't know there was I'll a I'll break it down for you right now. That's what, like, that's the style he got from Future. Future, that's why he's Baby Pluto. The son of okay. Pluto, you know? Okay. That's that's that trap Uzi sound like you saw on his last project with songs like Low Main, Baby Pluto. What's it's that up? hard trap beats where he goes in and just goes hard. And then your final personality is Arenji, or likes to call it Renji, which is your more <laughs> melodic sounds. It's the I'm sorry from the oh last album. God. Your Venetia, like the and um. Yeah, it's just that it's those different types of sounds that he makes because the fans have always had uh, – there's been a lot of attention around Uzi the past couple of years because he went on a hiatus where he was having disputes with his label and he disappeared. So now seeing him drop a project and a collab tape with a deluxe in the same year has been very exciting. I give all credit to him because this has become the year of Uzi Vert. And his album is the reason why we have coronavirus. That's very true. I mean, he dropped it on both thirteenths when the world shut down, and then now the next Where Friday the thirteenth is still shut down. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, I I mixed emotions the first time I heard this album. I mean, the first time I listened to it, I struggled to hear the difference between a couple tracks, and nothing really stood out to me first listen, right? And the one for the first thing I noticed too was that Future Newsy have phenomenal chemistry. You see the influence he had in his baby Pluto persona that he that sound he developed. You see the influence that came from Future, so you see how it works. But it took it took me a couple listens, but after that you kind of find that the album isn't meant to really dwell on and decipher the words. It's almost like a mood, it's an experience, right? Yeah. So I was a but, big the, but the cover art in a sense is kind of like it looks psychedelic in in a sense like mm-hmm. unclear what the the picture is and then it kind of cleared up with, with the, the uh, with oh, the deluxe thank God they cleared it up with the deluxe but I was a big fan of what's the, up what's up with what's up with Uzi and deluxes. I mean, Uzi kind of brought back the deluxe. He started with Love Is Rage two, right? He put a deluxe out for that, and he uh, not to say, but he popularized the deluxe. There's been producers in the field to say that. I mean, he did do it. Okay, okay. Like, it's, it's clearly 
how much I don't know a whole lot about Uzi. Look, Uzi to me is like the artist that you put in the background at a party, you know. And I don't hate Uzi. Like, I, I, I enjoy some of his songs. I'm like, I ain't gonna lie. I'm not that. <laughs> close, I ain't, I'm not that close-minded to music. I'm a little bit here and there, but I'm just not a little as bit. Close, yeah, just a little bit. I'm not as close-minded. I like some of his songs, but what you said with the whole personality things, like obviously I don't know a clue, and obviously I'm not as big of a fan where I can differentiate it. Yep. So who knows? Maybe if the, if he was an he was an artist that I was close, to, I was more connected to, or his personas were towards an uh, an artist I enjoyed. But how I see that when it's come to different personalities, I just see more of a progression, not like, oh, hey, I just have these different characters. Yeah. I just see in the, in the evolution of a sound. I don't know. like look, It's overall, good to see overall, him I, yeah. use those personalities per se. It's not like he's uh, shape-shifting between personalities, but it's a way to transform his sounds and provide different styles that he likes to use. So, like, good for him for saying, honestly, I don't care what you think. I like this baby Pluto sound. I like this trap sound. I'm going to go do it. So, hats off to Uzi. I've always been a big Uzi fan. Mm-hmm. But I think people who were really hated on this project were stuck on the fact that they really loved Eternal Take. And it was such, it was arguably the best project of the year. Shattered every streaming record. And then he dropped a phenomenal deluxe afterwards with Myron that people have been waiting for. Haven't listened to both of them through. I that's I mean that's on you. You're missing out quite a bit, but no, I don't think I am. Ish, it's really that I think the hype was overbuilt on it. And if you take this project for what it is and what it was meant to be with Future, I think it succeeded on what it did. Gave us a good 16 tracks and then another six tracks on the bonus. And he also put the two singles that he released earlier with Future, which was Patek and Over Your Head. So and I like yeah. I give it like a solid six out of ten. It did what it did, but the only problem that I have with it that there was no overwhelmingly memorable tracks that stick out with Uzi's already very deep discography. Yeah. Like you look at like Uzi's top songs, and there's a lot that really pops out from his past projects like Love Is Rage Two, Love Is Rage, Uzi vs the World, and now EA. Yeah. Overall, I listened. This is my first Uzi project I've listened to throughout. I'm a, really, yeah, I'm pretty bad with this stuff. I'm, I'm just bad in general when it comes. To even bands that I like, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna listen to it and then kind of pick and pee, yeah. pick around. The worst thing, the worst mistake I've ever done is not even just with music and just in TV shows in general. It's like I don't want. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of binging because I don't want to binge through it and then I'm like, oh, I'm done now. I like to try to be like, okay, I'll watch like two episodes of. Of, uh, you kind of just jump around. Yeah, a exactly. bit. I watch two episodes a night for this, and maybe tomorrow now I watch like two or three. That's what I'm doing with Breaking Bad, and that's why it's taking me like two years to finish like two seasons of Breaking yep. Bad. That just shows how terrible I am. But I'm just, I'm just so lazy sometimes, even with bands that I like. So, but I, I listened to this album, and it's one of the greatest pieces ever made. Really? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. No, this. It was okay. That's what I'm saying. That was about. That was that was about. It It was okay. Once again, the thing is though, you never know what you're getting with Uzi next because he could have a plan with this, and there could be more. I mean, he said recently he tweeted out that he's putting out two more projects and he's done. That's it. I'm gone. He's a very emotional guy. Yeah, and then three years later he's back. No, but he said that the other day actually. 
he's putting out two more projects and he's done. He's tweeted this a couple days ago. He's also been very vocal about Didn't his emotions this? and thoughts about the label. Didn't he say this like a couple years ago where he was retiring from music and then he came yeah, that, back? Yeah, that was because he was trying to get out of his uh, his uh, record label. Still not buying it. I'm not buying it. But, he'll be back. He'll be fine. Like he said, he was bringing back the 2016 Uzi, and in that sense, like he did the same thing back in 2016, where he dropped that Uzi vs. World, and he put out a collab tape with Gucci Mane, and you're kind of seeing that same vibe this year, where it's like no one really dwells on the collab tape with Gucci Mane from 2016, all right? But it's still I, I, wait, yeah, collab, tape. collab tape. Yeah, it's on SoundCloud. Oh, but um. No one really kind of sits on that project, but it's still more music for the fans that really want to dive more into Uzi and his other styles. But then there's that big project of the year where in 2016 it was Uzi vs. The World, yeah. and this year was Eternal Take, and that deluxe that delivered a lot of the leaks fans wanted, and as well as that... Expl- it introduced those... It was like the baseline of introducing Uzi's multiple styles through the interludes on there and the different tracks kind of allowed you to spread out now into this baby pluto sound that he did on with future yeah i think one one of my biggest criticisms for this album is you said about 16 tracks and yeah there's a lot of tracks and i'll give nothing but props towards not even just uzi but you know rappers right now their work ethic is off the charts they record a bunch of music i give them a lot of credit that being said, working hard doesn't mean you just work efficiently and doesn't mean it's great. That's fair. Like, it's 16 tracks, sure. If they're all bangers, I'll be like, you know what? That's phenomenal. They're awesome. That's great. But I'd rather would have had eight, nine of your best tracks. In, I get that. And instead of a 16 song, 16 track, what, I think it was like 56 minutes? That's a, that's a lot. And especially, no offense to Uzi, but... I don't, he's not those artists where he, it's, I don't, I don't see the sort of tracks, like different tracks. Like, I don't see, it's like, I don't see the, like a growth in the album. I don't see, okay, we start off somewhere and we, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, within I don't the feel project. the journey. I don't feel the journey I get the that. album. It's just, it's just songs. I agree with that 100%, but the only reason I give him the leeway was because this was only a collab tape. This is not an official album. Okay. This was just kind of a, here you go, here's more music. You wanted more music for the fans that really like his style. If this was to come out as like Eternal Take or a big project like that, I would have genuinely been upset. I give you yeah. that 100%, where that had more of a journey through his styles. This had absolutely no path. It was okay. And that's all I have to say about that. But it's definitely yeah. something you could put on and listen to and kind of have going on in the background. Yeah. There's not too much yeah. to analyze with the lyrics. He kind of went back to, you know, he re- repeated again with the Balenci, Balenci, Balenci. There's not too much to read into that other than just kind of feel a vibe. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, I have – look, if it's in the background, I'm with friends. I'm not going to – okay. I'm not the – I know I'm not the biggest rap fan, but I'm not the grumpy old out-of-touch fan. Like, put it back to REM Speed, REM Speed Wagon. Where is LinkedIn Park? Lincoln Link, Park. LinkedIn, I, I meant Lincoln no, Park. No, no, I still, no, okay, relax. Okay. All right. Link, relax. LinkedIn Park. LinkedIn Park featuring uh, Chester. Lipton Ice Tea Park. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, I make one little mistake. Let's calm no, down. No, 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 no. The amount of mistakes that I've made, like, even with the stuttering. I stutter a lot, and you always bust my balls. That's fair. You know what? I'll, yeah, I'll give yeah, it to you. Exactly. But moving into another No, no, pod. no, no. Hold on. I, I, okay, I, you want to keep I'm not done yet. Go I'm ahead. Keep yet. Going. I haven't talked about future yet. Oh, future. I haven't, That's talked, about, I haven't talked about future yet. I just started again, but I don't care. Okay. 
He was boring this album. He I agree so 100%. Bored, so lifeless. And I'm not going to lie. When I was, you know, in high school, sophomore year of high school, I, you know, I, he dropped that, was it Evolve? Evil. It was. It was that. right after and DS2. also D- Dirty Sprite too. Yeah, and Dirty yeah, Sprite. Yeah. I mean, his it, it, sound okay. never really evolved that much. Like it was when you first hear it, it was a, f- a cool okay. sound, was different, unique, but it just didn't change. So, okay. So by the way, I never listened to DS2. Drink Sprite, whatever. Dirty Sprite. Dirty Sprite, whatever. I like Sprite. But I, actually, I listened to Evil, the 2016 album. I actually really enjoyed. It. There are some songs I still listen to because I, I'm like. Hell yeah, there's some really songs that are bangers. And, you know, obviously, you know, Percocet, yeah. Molly Percocet, still a banger. Is it stupid and dumb? Absolutely. But, but, but you gotta that, give that, that was the peak. That was the peak right there, and he's never evolved since, and he's the same. But yeah, you gotta same. give him the props of what he did for the industry. He kind yeah. of created that whole generation. He inspired guys, good and bad. Yeah. He kind of brought a whole generation of lean drinkers that was a bit of a problem, but at the mm-hmm. same time, he also created a whole separate subgenre of that trap, kind of auto-tuned sound that really kind of sculpted a whole new subsect of rap that I really yeah. respect. But he never really changed from that. You just kind of got to respect what he did. But other than that, he's been he was just mediocre at best. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no glaring issues besides like those little two things. And but yeah, it wasn't offensive. It was there were some songs that I thought were okay. Some songs are like whatever. Overall, I think it's like a five out of ten. It, it's like middle of the road for me, honestly. It's like like right down the middle five. Right down the middle. I'm giving it six, six and a half. I like stripes like Burberry, Real Baby Pluto. Real Baby Pluto was the only was a, track that track stuck out to yeah, me. Yeah, I think that was the, that was probably my favorite track on the album. Really, I just it's once again it's that flow like we saw on those earlier tracks on yeah. Eternal Take that I I really liked. But if I saw more like that, it would have been higher. But other than that, just okay. But now moving into something that we can kind of both shift into a style. We saw, I guess you can say former hip-hop artist Machine Gun Kelly put out mm-hmm. a project where he kind of dove into a whole new sound. Instead of rapping, he was putting out pop-punk music. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 very much did was happen. Tickets to My Downfall. Yeah, Tickets to My Downfall. Pop-punk album. Obviously a big influence to guys like Blink-182 and also the... Who helped the drums? None other than Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker, who did the drums for all the tracks. Really? So, I was not aware of that. Did them all. And, uh, and I think he's also, like, he's, he tours with him as well. That's crazy. So, yeah. I mean... And also, credit, Travis Barker's awesome. Blink-182 is awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah. He even had Drake come out and tell Machine Gun Kelly, you did a phenomenal job. I think that his rap hip-hop music was decent to not that exciting it was it had it, he had bright spots but there was also just it left you wanting a lot more and it kind of sounded like he was trying to be somebody who wasn't i think it's i think there was some hype around him at the beginning and i just think yeah he just floundered he just flopped and because yeah there was a lot of hype i was like okay especially with that okay. m&m beef oh god Th- that this track he put out was a, yeah, abysmal i only yeah i only think that was a good it not only was just an Incredible! Like, did he not see Eight Mile? Yeah, like, did he not see Eight Mile? But seeing him do that weird beard, man, I, that that intro thing—it just didn't sit right with me. It was it just wasn't that good? But this album, it's honestly become one of my more favorite projects wow. of the year. Wow! Surprisingly enough, and it's hard to uh, like Halsey delivered that track. Forget me, too, has been stuck in my head. Halsey did a phenomenal job. She surprised me really with that vocal range, and I didn't think she could hit a genre like that. Yeah. So, 
I know you're a little bit more of the expert yeah, in this, so I'll I let you can, dive I, in. I can go a little dive view. So I am a huge, I'm huge in the rock, huge in the metal, and I also really like pop punk, like a lot of the alternative rock bands in like the early 2000s, Blink-182, Sum 41, I know this might offend you as well, Yellow Card, I loved Yellow Card. I, I can differentiate the art from the artist. The art, I love it. The I artists lo- I are love a bit Way of a problem lately. What, yeah, Way Away is one of my favorite songs. Tev knows this. Yeah, Shout this out to our true. boy Tev. It was in Madden 04. Great, great song. That's the song. That was Michael Vick was on the cover. Great song. I love a bunch of their songs. What they did to Juice. With Lucid Scumbags. Dreams. Absolute scumbags. Great song that they tried to. It was Hollywood Died. Great song. Terrible lawsuit, Skull of the Earth people, so and also some other great bands as well. I agree with hundred percent, especially as you know, a big Juice World fan, man. Yeah. Watching that, that shit, it, it leaves you a bad taste in your mouth. And it's gotten to the point where they've had to mute all their social media comments. They kind of dug their own graves with that lawsuit. I know. And, and, and that was also a shame because it's like also not okay, maybe not a shame, but it's like they're like they've also dwindled in popularity to begin with. So it's like okay, it's. Because a bunch of people are like, oh, Yellow Card, I remember this band. Oh, they're also scumbags? Oh, yeah. great. And yeah, but the, I still listen to their music. I don't support them. I'm not going to buy their merch. I'm not going to... They're already gone as a band. They already dissolved like a couple years ago. But I'm, I'm trying I, to get one last check. But it's whatever. It They're scumbags. But enough focusing honestly. on those uh, clowns. Yeah, Going so. back into Machine Gun Kelly, I think a lot of what carried to I, his vocals were phenomenal but also the instrumentals were very good the guitar and the drums on this album were probably my favorite part of the entire thing so i'm gonna say this i agree with you with guitars and drums i think overall the production was pretty good i think overall the production was pretty pretty good i don't know i think the writing was okay i could have been a lot better i'm gonna say my biggest we my my biggest negative is his singing Okay. I I just I just think it's just very mundane how he how he sings. Just very one note. Like there was there was nothing. Like a little bit more there. range is what you yeah, wanted. Just something, just something to like an attempt. It was just very even the song like My Bloody Valentine, probably my favorite song off the album. Just his like on the chorus, it's like there's like it's right there. You got the instruments, you got the instrumentals, you got the writing. Just need a little Bloody Valentine. Sorry, Bloody Valentine. Um. That's also a band, and also another band I like, Bullet for My Valentine. Yeah. Anyway, respect that's the point. Shout out to Bullet for My Valentine. <laughs> I saw them live; they were amazing. Anyway, um, but yeah, like yeah, the, like that chorus part. I was like, I just need a little bit more range and dynamic from you. Yeah, and, I get that, but I think, and that was also one of the biggest downfalls, in my opinion, for Machine Gun Kelly is that he's just kind of a one note guy that didn't evolve. Yes. The sound around him has evolved with a pop punk sound, but overall his singing is still the same sort of. Yeah, I get same. that. I think it was a good introduction to the sound. Though. Okay, if yes, he was to yes. go put out another project and it sounded exactly like this, that'd be a problem. But I agree. Yeah. But if he's able to work on his vocals and improve on those ranges, I think you have a phenomenal thing. Yeah, I agree. If this is if this lays the groundwork and it's not just like a fluke album or he doesn't evolve or he just yes. drops it, never goes back yes, to yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, if it. If this lays the groundwork to something that's really good and that could bring back the pop punk sound, which by the way has a lot of fans, this would be awesome. And having a guy like Machine Gun Kelly, especially backed by a huge pop punk artist, yeah, Travis Barker, yeah, 
like, yeah, overall, I I expected this album. Honestly, I had pretty low expectations heading to this album because I thought it was just Machine Gun Kelly. Why is he going to pop punk? Like, oh, this is going to be watered down garbage. And I didn't hate it. I, I did I didn't hate it. Uh, Halsey, yeah, her performance was, was really good. She was the best feature on this album. How many features were there? Her, every feature or album I've oh. heard her on or appear on, she's killed it. Her, yeah. her ranges are something that, like the problem you had with Machine Gun Kelly, her vocal ranges and the notes she hits are amazing. That's the problem I had with Trippy Red's feature, actually. It sounded, it sounded like he belonged on that track, but I don't know. The mixing didn't sound right. It almost sounded like he was like spaced out in like a floating space entity over the album like i don't know it felt like okay they had the pop punk but it was like oh we need trippy red so we gotta like completely go back and like do some like trippy has shown he can kind of do that sound he's had tracks where he's experimented with it but he just didn't sound mixed right i I, yeah i think he has i would like i'd like to see a pop punk trippy red album because he has range he's gone into the rock a little bit he put out a single it was Star Gazer, Star Dream. I forget exactly what it was called. Where he he actually was the number one rock song in the world for a little bit, and that pissed me off because as a big rock fan, I get it. But rock it, is dead, unfortunately, because the rock is dead, unfortunately. Billboards with Imagine Dragons. <laughs> I, I can go on and on, honestly. Okay, Jason started about Imagine Dragons. Oh my, Jason! If you're if you're listening, this, what 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 are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? <laughs> But no, I just I I like Trippy Red in theory on this, but I just think the execution wasn't as good as it should have been. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It was a weird feature to be honest. Like, oh god, Trippy Red, because I'm not the biggest Trippy Red fan. Like, there's some okay songs, but I'm not the biggest Trippy Red guy compared to like someone like like Uzi. I like Uzi better than Trippy Red, honestly, because yeah, I, I just think Trippy Red's songs haven't been great, but. Yeah, just it, it, that one didn't really work out. But yeah, the Halsey one worked. Like that, that was the best blend, and she had like she had like the best feature on the Juice album too. So she's doing pretty decent on features. I wouldn't say she had the best feature, but she had a good feature. She she killed Who the vocals. Who do you think was the best feature on that one? That that's Marshmallow. A, Mar, uh, I don't really count it, him. Kind of I'm, I'm talking like vocal features. Okay, well, the best vo- vocal feature is I might have to. It's it's not too many people. It's Halsey, Leroy, and well, I'm not counting the weekend that they put that smile single onto it. But I'm talking between was it Trippy Red, the Kid Leroy, Marshmallow, and Halsey, and Polo G. Oh yeah. Um, I'm true. gonna go between. It's either Polo G or Kid Leroy. They're all they're all they're all they all perform really well. But okay. Halsey kept her own with them, which was I was very yeah. surprised. And uh, yeah, like I'm not the biggest Halsey fan whatsoever. But yeah, she has a really good voice. She's a good feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a feature artist, like like Drake. <laughs> His projects stink, but when he yeah. comes on, it's like, oh no, Drake's on this album. Yeah, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a lot of hate with that one, but yeah. Oh, eat me, all of you. you that's, oh, come on. He's a feature artist. That his features though end up hitting top Billboard. They gotta yeah. get, he's the he is the goat. I might not be a big fan of his music. I'm not a big Drake guy, but you gotta acknowledge where his consistency has just been unmatched. Yeah, when he popped on on uh, Sicko Mode, like everyone was like, <laughs> oh, oh my yo, god, Trippy Red. Uh, Trippy Red. Oh my uh, god. Oh, I, I meant Drake. I meant you're Drake. losing it, kid. I am losing it, Drake. <laughs> Not a good song. But it's like we were saying with Trippy Red, he put out that album this year too. I didn't listen to it. I know you didn't listen to it. Well, we can possibly dive into another time, but I'm just going to yeah. leave my quick forward and saying where it was 
good. It was different, but honestly, it left me wanting a little bit more. Which one? His uh, oh, most trippy red. Trippy red. Okay. Are, are we done with the uh, Machine Gun Kelly? I mean, I feel like we said all yeah. we had to say. Overall, I think it was a yeah. Overall, I, I liked it. It was a good start to potentially where he could potentially go with his uh with his sound. I'll say like a six six and a half out of ten. Like what you said. I'm giving it. it a seven. Yeah, six. Yeah. Um, I was considering either a six or a seven, but I'm going six and a half. I'm going down the middle. Like I, this, there's one more album I want to talk about, right? Oh. Really? And it's the Kid Leroy put out the Savage Edition to Fuck Love. Okay. Oh, you, oh, you curse. Sorry, we got. That's it's an album. It's it's an album title, right? I'll let, I'll let so he put out seven tracks, and honestly, this is like an eight or nine out of ten for me. He absolutely killed it. This is actually made me dive into Machine Gun Kelly actually because he was a feature on this where he dabbled into that sound of his, mm-hmm. and he used it as a feature. But he had also had Marshmallow and NBA YoungBoy, who. I had never been the hugest <laughs> fan of, but he actually did a great job as a feature on It Was Tragic. But there's three or four songs on here that very much stick out and he evolved on and just kind of grew like his, like the way he's able to hit notes and do that singing style of his is uh, really amazing to me. Like you see that influence in that juice world and you kind of see how like he was one of his disciples, right? And these seven tracks really show me a real promising future with the Kid Leroy. Yeah, so you played this song. You played this album for me. I did play. I played like three or four tracks on it. So I'm not going to lie. I don't remember a whole lot because I was driving the car. That's true. We were driving somewhere. I was driving. So it's like. It's to Nico's football It's like, yeah, 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 shout out to my brother. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Um, But (laughs) so, yeah, it's like. Okay, I'm listening to it, but also I don't want to get in a car crash. So. Yeah, I got you, I got you. <laughs> so yeah, but overall, like I while I was hearing, I'm like, I like his sound, I like his voice. I think there's a lot of potential. Like, I see a little bit of, like the juice influence. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I'm very curious to see where he, where he goes. I'm very I'm, curious. I'm very excited for him to put out his first studio album. This is another. He's only had this EP right, and this was the technically another EP it was just the. It was almost like a deluxe. It was the Savage Edition. Yeah. Um. But he's leaked a couple songs, and he's looking. There was one I think it was so I forget what the track was called, but he the way he's learning how to hit different vocal ranges and experiment different beat styles it leaves me very excited for that first studio album. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. No, especially because that because that's the whole thing with those studio albums. I mean, it's the the extra level of production, and you're really putting in work with those tracks. Those are tracks you love. I'm not gonna lie. When it comes to like these rappers when playing out projects, sometimes I I can't I forget to differentiate. Oh, this is an EP. Oh, this is a mixtape. Oh, this is a yeah. studio album. You know, when I, when I think of studio when I think of studio albums, I think it's like okay, this is their work. This is like they sat in the studio for yes, exactly x amount of hours. Because I'm I'm on that old school mentality. Of, exactly. Like, this is your studio album. And, exactly. Like, and, like your EPs and like all the that. EP mixtape is kind of like here you go. Yeah. Here's music. Exactly. There's, there's no substance. It's just here's tracks. Enjoy it if you enjoy it. Out, exactly. Like. That's like the Uzi album. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but also, quick. Sh- I want to do a quick shout out to go away from uh from your uh, rap to That's fair. to rock quickly. System of a Down came out with their first their first songs first two songs in 15 years, and it was amazing because I need everyone who. Listens to System of a Down. They, we need a new album. They haven't released an album in since 05. and there have been so so much 
confusion on why they don't make music and they released two songs it, that being said it wasn't leading towards an album unfortunately there was two songs uh, I, f- I forgot what they were called but they were they were pretty darn good there were songs talking about uh the armenian sort of invasion mm-hmm. we talked with azerbaijan so it's very personalized there all four of those guys are armenian so yeah, uh, it was deal a with, per- uh, with turkey exactly yeah uh, so. as greeks we, we know exactly. a little we, bit about that yeah yeah, we, we, yeah, we're familiar. We dabble in politics. Yeah, you gotta send that my way. I gotta uh, take a listen. Yeah, that's no, that's the dynamic. You got a little bit of the metal head and the yeah, rap head yeah. on either side. Yeah, it's a, the songs were uh, "Protect the Land" and "Genocidal Human Humanoids." "Protect the Land" was a pretty good song. Uh, I, I wanted more Surge. Surge Tankin, he's a lead singer. Okay. So I've heard you well, mention him. Great. He's one has one of the most iconic voices in rock in the past two decades. He's amazing. When I think of rock voices that really resonate, it's him, Chester Bennington, guys like that. Uh, I wanted more of that from Protect, Protect, Protect the Land, but that was more like their anthem. Just uh, Humanoids, it's like that's like a two minute, two and a half minute song, but that's that's when you hear like, okay, this is like their debut album stuff. This is like you yep. from from uh, their uh, which I call oh my god, I'm forgetting from one of their other albums, uh, Toxicity. So, like, you hear those influences. And they also have blast beats randomly. Mm-hmm. Just the drummer uh, goes crazy. Uh, John uh, Dolmanian, if I'm pronouncing it right. I, I, I know, Foreign I know name. guys. Foreign names. Foreign names from California. So. Okay. But, no, they're great. I'm really happy that they're back. Well, not back, back. But, yeah, no, they're, they're great. I'm really happy that they are that they made some something. And I hope that leads to music i agree but to, i'm gonna close it off on one last uh rap statement before okay. we kind of clo- wrap it all together okay uh just a quick great project um i'm gonna say uh, welcome to old block king von and also rest in peace to king von that got at 26 years old uh listen to the project it dropped about a week before he died great tracks with polo g armed and dangerous you had the code with polo g a lot of features by lil dirk don't know how he's feeling that's his best friend i mean yeah. it's just it's just sad to see you know you hate to see it that's yeah that's all i had to say about that you know just a quick r.i.p f tuka man yeah <laughs> <laughs> um that's a yeah. way to say it yeah exactly yeah like i've listened to not like, from maybe, 63rd maybe, yeah hell no uh, <laughs> I, i've seen like i was like probably like two of his songs i'm like of course i li- of course i hear this songs right after he died yeah i mean like, it, it's just a, the the one thing you have to say about king von is he had unmatched energy and st- the the way he don't story told in his songs was yeah. really amazing yeah I, you, you can hear you, i saw it from the songs and i see also from the music videos too there's always some there's yeah, it was a crazy there. story. It was it was uh, probably oh, his biggest track. It there was it's just the way he's able to story tell with that unmatched energy. It's it's gonna be missed, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. Rest in peace. Uh, twenty six years old, right? Twenty six years yeah. old, and two crazy. kids, three kids. I didn't know that. Wow, that's yeah, that's. But the great thing is he owned all the rights to his music, so okay. they're still gonna be able to live off those royalties. So that's, that's gonna good. be nice. That's good. You know, we've seen. We've Too many X's. tragic deaths yeah, we, and, through and we, and we, through 2018. Yeah. What do we had? No, 2017. We had Peep, X, Juice, well, Pop. Well, well, oh, forget well, about well, it. Well, since 2017. You since 2017. You got Chester Bennington. Chester Bennington, Legend, Lincoln Park. I can, I can go on and on. I can go on and on. You know, we, you know, we should do also segments as well. I don't know why we're talking about this on the podcast. We do like we should like also like rank our like like maybe one week. You can rank like the best Juice projects or like albums. Yeah. Or like we can or we can dive deep. 
and like rank albums. I agree 100%. Let's see what I get his feedback, you know? I, I can rank. I we can, can go I for can, hours on music. Fact, I can rank Linkin Park's albums and talk about that. And, uh, yeah. I don't know why I thought about this right now. We're all you guys are listening. You know, spit, we're spitballing on exactly. the move. We're learning. It's exactly. a learning experience for everybody. Yeah, we adapt. Adapt or die. Exactly. And also, I think we should also uh, make like a top 10 list for. Uh, Best albums, the best projects at the end of the year. I think so. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, we'll have very much different <laughs> list. We're we're gonna be uh growing, the you know the brand per se yeah. over over the period of time. You know, we're gonna see a little bit more through the podcast. You're gonna see a little bit more from us over socials. Yes, yes. And you're gonna you're gonna see a lot from us just in general. Yeah. Uh, what's the Twitter again? You can, uh, it's a toast in the morn one. I yes, believe. I believe yes, I'll check on that right now. Unfortunately, I, I didn't create that Twitter, so I don't know how that one popped up. Just yeah, exactly. And then our Instagram, we have a toast period in period the period morning. Don't forget the periods. Don't forget exactly. it. Exactly. You got to separate a little bit because if you combine it, it looked a little strange, you know? I got it. I got it. Kind of yeah. looks like a big blob of words. Big blob of toast in the morning. <laughs> just like, come on. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that was. I like it was, it was a nice different pace, and I'm really happy that we're doing this podcast because the most important part of this podcast was not just thinking about doing the podcast; it was actually doing it. So I'm exactly. happy we got that first episode out and kind now, of work from here. Exactly, you know. Now we're going to be in this groove. We'll try to see how how many episodes we can pump these out in a week. Minimum, probably we'll probably hear uh, one to two episodes yeah, a week. I, I would say so. So don't, yeah, don't get your hopes up, guys. You know, you know we have lives. Around. Lo- yeah, exactly. We'd love to hear the feedback, though. Exactly. All twenty-seven thousand of you, obviously. Exactly. Because you know, by twenty-seven thousand, you meant six. But you know what? We're hey, gonna hey, be we're gonna be growing hey, from hey, here. Hey, hey, hey. It's seven. Seven. My apologies. Seven uh, active listeners. Unbelievable. Hey, who knows? That can grow. That 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 grow. Okay, and uh, you can probably see some uh, guest features coming up, some guest speakers, some friends of ours, and hopefully we can put you out some nice, good content. Thank you for yeah. tuning in. This is uh, Toast and Peter on uh, Toast in the Morning. Yeah. And it's seven. Hell yeah! I I don't know. Hell yeah! That, that, what what's your outro song? Pick an outro song. I'm I'm giving that I'm giving you on the spot. What's You're putting on the spot. Yeah, just pick, just pick one right now. Just on top just, of your head. Just Come on. play one or pick one. Pick one. Just pick one. No no no. Pick one so I can put on the at the end. No, because I've been hearing a lot of it. Oh. Uh, play come and go. I've been hearing a lot of it, especially on college football. Oh that, you gotta God. hit that nice uh, bass drop. <laughs> fine, fine. I, I I get the next song next podcast. You get that. So. We'll alternate. Yeah, obviously, because that's what friends are for. All right, come and go. Yeah, right now. <laughs> <laughs>